You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy Well Muslim Podcast. This is Ozma Jafri. And this is Zeba Hassan, sick from home. So, you know, if my brain goes into, my brain always always is in overdrive. So, like, if it's in a major overdrive or I can't think or talk, I have an excuse actually today. Most of the time, I don't have an excuse. But today, I have an excuse. But, Ozma, how are you <laughs> feeling? Because I know you have been a little bit, everyone's like, how come Uzma's not responding? How? I'm like, guys, leave her mm-hmm. alone for the next <laughs> Nobody week. Nobody talked to Uzma. <laughs> so what is going on? Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what's going on in your life and why you're so frenzied? You know, uh, why I'm so frenzied. I wish I was frenzied. I feel like I should be more, but, you know, I'm like... I don't know what the president of the United States, I decided to have a job that requires qualifications. <laughs> and every so often they uh-huh. have you test to prove that you can still practice medicine. So I am at, can you believe it's been 10 years? I, I can believe I it's been 10 years. I mean, it's Crazy. been a journey. It's been a journey for It you. has been a journey. So it's been 10 years since I graduated from both residency, well, fellowship, actually, and then residency, I think, 12 years. So uh, they have us every 10 years for our specialties. They make us take a test to prove that we still got it. And it turns out I don't. (laughs) So uh, that's why I've been studying an MIA and I'm not doing reels and I'm not doing anything and I'm not talking to anybody. Um, even you, Zayba, I sadly. Know. So thank you for carrying the brunt of all the work because I really just can't focus on anything except pap smears and vaccine schedules right now. So, Oh, my goodness. Well, I have to say thank you to the AMA, right, for requiring doctors to get <laughs> recertified because the reality of the situation is things do change people. Oh, so gosh, yeah. as much as I'm sad for you for having to go through this again, I am thankful to the community at a large to make sure we're getting quite the, we're getting the up-to-date information from all of our doctors. But in that having been said, I am asking everybody right now to say a little dua and prayer for our Dr. Uzma Jaffrey to make sure she's Please. still a doctor at the end of this I mean. <laughs> test, okay? Because Lord knows we need as much help as we can in the medical profession. We certainly can. So speaking of like, is this what your 12th bout of COVID? Oh my now? God. I hope it's not COVID. But if, if I do Inshallah. test, if I do test positive, it will be my fourth. Um, but I have a oh feeling goodness. that it's, um, it's not cause it feels a little bit different. It feels just like a, a massive head cold. Um, sort of, you know, mm-hmm. li- literally from the neck up, um, my, my Z3 is home as well. Um, but of course I feel like kids mm. bounce back a lot easier than we do because like, I'm about to fall asleep and he's like, I'm bored. And I'm thinking <laughs> you're the reason I'm in this mess, buddy. But you know, know inshallah, you <laughs> but they're germs, but really, um, the way we can reframe it is this is our immune system working at its finest and what a blessing that we have that. So as much as I feel crappy right now, I know, I need to to go through this. Um, And it's just going to be the start of the season in our house. So it's only November. Did you hear me? Like, I'm literally wheezing. Every time I lift my, like I breathe, I'm literally wheezing. I'm going to have to get the inhaler out. But you know, get the inhaler out. You know, our November has pretty much started hot. And quite frankly, at the time Mm -hmm. of recording, our um, elections, a huge election, midterm election is going on all across the the nation, um, including those battle state grounds that are inevitably happening because, you know, literally rights as we know it is hanging in the balance. So by the time this recording comes, it will have already been passed. And inshallah, we're praying that it'll go well. But, you know, for right now. And not back into the 1950s, please. That would be great. Not back into the 1950s. Or literally, as something I just learned, back into the 1980s, women didn't even have the right to sign their own business loan till 1988. 
without a male counterpart. We didn't get credit cards until the 1970s. Yes, in so our own we're days. not. Even, we don't even have to go that far into our our past history in order to say about our female rights. But that's a whole nother podcast. We're going to leave that for um, leave that for another day. But <laughs> I'm just saying, in general, voting is not only a right but it's a privilege. Um, and for us Muslim women, we have been a part of our political um, standings from the very beginning of time. So let's keep continuing that time forward because as we know political change is happening in the laps of women these days if we can look all around the world so let's vote and inshallah by the time this gets gets published we will have some good news so you know and if you haven't voted just remember like can we is it wrong to say voting is a sunnah Yes. Because, I mean, the Sahabiyat did it. They did, right? but 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 it's not for us to Sahabiyat? decide. We have always yes. <laughs> said, as Mommy Well Muslim, we don't talk about halal or haram. We just provide a platform for yes. all Muslim women. So we will not be talking about sunnah today. But look at our notes, <laughs> and you can look it up for yourself. But, you know, speaking of which, we've kind of started quite the commotion on the social media mm-hmm. world. I know you've been MIA, but sadly, I've had to kind of delve into the scary um, depths of social media. And so we're just still bringing a little bit more pers- um, perspective on our Polygamy Polygony um, series on the podcast. And we have the next guest with um, a capital guests. That's right. There's not one, but there's two people here today. They are coaches Nyla and Fatima. They're co-host and so of their social media account with their husband, no S. And they help gu- guide people in polygamous relationships. And guess what, everybody? They are co-wives. So welcome Nyla and Fatima to Momming Wa Muslim. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I'm doing that. Yeah, we're gonna be clear. So that we're not, we don't get mixed up because we forgot to raise our hand. I'm Coach Fatima. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's two of you. If somebody's not watching the video and they only hear on audio, maybe we'll just have you guys say your name before you start answering your question. Yeah. So as I always say, I'm Coach Nyla. I'm the one with the raspy voice. So you hear a little rasp. That's just the way it is. That's me. It is what it is. Oh. That's what it is. So. Fatima's got no rasp. Okay. Not at this time. Not at this time. Okay. I'm the lot. That's good. From me through the internet. So that's yeah, a good, exactly. That's a good thing. You're not contagious. Subhanallah. So we'd like to kick off the podcast, Nyla and Fatima, by asking a little bit about your momming journey and your momming philosophy, whatever you're comfortable sharing about your individual or collective kids. So why don't we give it first to Nyla and you can answer that question first and then we can shift it over to Fatima. <laughs> okay. Hit it. Well, there we go. Well, <laughs> of course, and Nyla, yes. Um, raspy voice here. Um, I am a mother of five biological children, seven bonus oh children. And we don't, we, uh, we don't really like to say stepchildren because mm-hmm. that whole negative connotation mm-hmm. that comes with it. So mm-hmm. I say bonus children. And uh, yeah, my oldest is just, wow, turned 23 years old. We're just going to leave that there. And my baby (laughs) is four. So (laughs) the whole (laughs) (laughs) spectrum of that is a big, big, you know, the the, the house is very um, interesting. We'll just say that. Um, But yeah, the mommy journey is a journey, um, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with me because um, I was, a, I always say that I was a a child that was raised by a single mother who was raised by a single mother. And that ended up um, showing itself in my life because um, um, I'm a convert. But before I converted to Islam, I was a single mother. And then after Islam, after I converted to Islam, I got married and divorced. So I was a single mother two times <laughs> and then um, got married into polygyny. And, you know, so that's that. <laughs> and had three more children and, and an additional seven bonus children. So, it. yes, um, you know, I love it. I, I like actually staying at home. I'm kind of that kind of stay at home mom um, type of thing. And, mm-hmm. oh, excuse me, homeschooling, all of that, you know, type of thing, all mm-hmm. that good stuff. <laughs> I mean, I do like to get out uh, from time to time, but I do like teaching the kids at home and doing the 
the, I guess the traditional, I guess, quote unquote, traditional mommy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the long and the short of, of my mommy journey for the most part. But, you know, I do um, believe I heard something, which um, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. It said the further away from the home that the mom is. Is like the you know the, the children need the mothers closer to home. So is it kind of like the further they are from the house, the more issues that they have. Just because we are really natural nurturers mm-hmm. and different things like that. Not saying that we shouldn't work. I mean, my co-wife and I, we have our we own work. businesses. We work. Mm-hmm. We, work, know, we work hard. <laughs> we work yeah. hard. But we also make sure we have that time for family too. Yeah. Oh, Michelle. Uh, That's awesome. Let me see. <laughs> uh, for myself, I got married at 20. So my oldest child, daughter, she's 27 years old <laughs> and she has wow. her own child. So I'm a granny. <laughs> I'm a granny. He made a year old. She's married and she has her own little one. My grand cookie, I like to call him. Aww. So for me, um, I had four daughters and three boys and a friend of mine that had it kind of, she had six and it was mixed up. She said, thank God, alhamdulillah, you had the girls first mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the boys. <laughs> so I had a lot of help. A lot of, a lot of mommies in um, under one roof. Um, but mm-hmm. my mothering journey was, I think, made a little bit easier because I had daughters <laughs> first and they, they're introverts. All of them. Mm-hmm. So they just played in one little spot and kind of just did Aww. their thing. And like Coach Nyla was saying, they like being at home. They didn't yes. like a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with their stuff. Don't mess with them. And it was it was relatively, <laughs> it was easier because girls are such doers, mm-hmm. you know, and they step right into that mothering role even when they're two. They had their little babies. And mm-hmm. so um, I wish I could go back to some of that. I didn't spend enough time there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, okay. yeah, it was, it was pretty nice for me. I, 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 I miss it. Yeah, <laughs> I miss yeah. that. You got those girls. I have, yeah. I have four boys and one Ooh, girl. So that yeah. was a whole nother thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun under one roof. So let's, um, just jump right into it and both of y'all's paths to polygyny and whether it is one roof or not, because inquiring minds want to know. Go ahead. I um, I didn't think I had a path to polygyny, but I mean, I, I mean, as a Muslim woman, you know, it's an option. So I, I couldn't go. I don't know about that. I don't know anything about that. I have never heard of it. I didn't do that. So I, you know, I knew that was an option for our husband, and at the time for my husband. But it's like, okay, he'll let me know what you know. I'm not going to bring it up and like <laughs> start anything, but. Um, of course, all jokes aside, it's part of Islam. And um, so it, it, the women would have the conversation. I go, ah, make it stop. <laughs> I'm 20. I don't want to share my husband right now. Get away. But um, I knew it was an option for him. And I think there's so much wisdom in, in having that structure of polygyny because there's accountability there through Islam. So I do love that um, wholeheartedly. I can't see myself growing up or growing through polygyny like I grew up where it was like, you know, the, the grandpa's going off and and my grandma's like, he's probably with one of his women. I'm like, oh, you know, this is like a nightmare. But becoming Muslim, it was very liberating to know that Islam regulates um, and it put places honor on women in calling them wives and giving them the title of wife. So it was something that I found growing up was very um, hard to to deal with because there was no honor. There was no honor. Mm-hmm. And to answer your under one roof question, do we live under the same no, roof? We do not. No, we don't. We do not. And no, have we one, it would be just too much going on. It's like, what is it, like 12 kids, 12 all kids. together? And then plus my co-wife and I, we definitely, we like our own space. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, we like spending some time together, but we like our yeah. own space. And yeah, it just makes sense <laughs> She's an us. extrovert. I'm an introvert. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> It just it sometimes I don't want my own daughters at my stove. So you can only imagine if it's two wives and we're like, no, I'm gonna make the, you know, I'm gonna make no. the dinner. No, I'm gonna make it. But 
for clarification, we have traveled together and uh, we've been under the same roof. Mm-hmm. We did a video about mm-hmm. that. Uh, we all had our own rooms. Our husband had his room. We had our own individual rooms. And because Coach Nyla has, I call them the littles, our little <laughs> ones, I felt like she should have control over the stove and like do what she does on a regular because she knows what her ch- the mother is always the expert on the children, so she knew what they needed to eat and what how they liked it. And I look like a fool sitting there, and you going flip the do it this way. You know? <laughs> hey, I'm like, they gonna eat it. <laughs> so awesome at at doing it, and we just supported each other in the kitchen, and it was it, we had a good time. We usually have a good time together. I mean, that's just our lives. Yeah, <laughs> my my the polygyny journey is really interesting because people ask and people will say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've, we've gotten a lot. So those who are familiar everything. with our YouTube channel, yeah. is, we've gotten it from, mm-hmm. you know, how would you not know this? Because it wasn't the I always say the sunshine, rainbows, kittens and unicorns right. type of story. <laughs> However, as I stated before, I'm raised by a single mother who was raised by a single mother. Marriage itself wasn't in my vocabulary, in my mind. I just saw stuff that I'm like, I don't want that in my life at all. <laughs> and that's what I said. It kind of um, it kind of trickled into my life. Mm-hmm. And after Islam, it was like, and now after Islam, after converting to Islam and then seeing just the beauty of what, you know, the nuclear family mm-hmm. should look like and things like that. It was like, oh, okay, this is real stuff. Yeah. You know, this can actually happen. And yeah. um, then, you know, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be raising a child by myself. And it's not, yeah. a lot of people think that they say that and they say, oh, well, you just wanted someone to save you from this. That's not the case. The mm-hmm. thing is we weren't put here to only, you know, to procreate. And then it was, it took two people to, to, to make a child, I guess, you know, of course, a lot with our laws help. <laughs> and, um, then it should be people more than one person raising that child. And um, we always believe in the, it takes a village and all that other stuff. So my thing is being a single parent, um, not having companionship, all these different things, that's just not, that's not the way I wanted my life to go. So, um, you know, and being, you know, morally sound, I'm like, I want to, you know, be married. Yeah. Um, it's a monogamy thing. That monogamy thing didn't work. Not saying that monogamy doesn't work, <laughs> just for me, that particular mm-hmm. marriage just didn't. And um, so I, kn- I knew Coach Nadir and Coach Fatima actually before I even got married in monogamy. Mm. So uh, when that failed, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, this is the man. Let me go. <laughs> let me go marry him. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was the thing of that. I'm like, this is a beautiful family. I know that polygyny is allowed in Islam. And as I stated on a number of occasions and some of the videos that I do, as well as a live that I did, an interview I did, I said, it just so happens that the the person who checked the boxes of the husband that I was looking for happened to be married already. And yeah, no one I knew that. <laughs> so I'm like, he just happened to be married already. And right. because Islam allowed it, I didn't see the issue with it or anything like that. However, people came for me afterwards and was like, well, how do you not see? I was like, because my mental is like, I'm Muslim. I studied this. I thought this was whatever. And I didn't, that's where you come in to say, well, maybe that's the naive part. But I do believe that once we, um, once we have our full faith and our trust in the law and not be, you not despise what Allah allows, then it makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier to understand um, or to try to understand other people's point of view. Um, I did a video where I stated, I said, Muslim women actually do have the right to marry a married Muslim man. Not that they have to, but that's still a right of theirs. He's not, I I call it married, but available until he has four wives. He's still an available Muslim. The one we got is available. (laughs) Right. And I was like, if we know that we have a good husband, who are we to deny, you know, someone else that, you know, person, that good husband because he does not belong to us. So it's just these understandings that I had. But the thing is, the, the the journey to polygyny just wasn't that easy or that cut and dry because of what society had put out there and because of what yeah. other people, you know, started, you know, putting into our lives. Yeah, it makes sense. 
and, and not even actually having the tools to say, well, what does this look like and how do we navigate this properly? Well, it's some people just don't simply care. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's when you're raised a certain way, because if we we're in a part of the world where polygyny was the norm, nobody would care. Mm-hmm. But because we're in the West where it is not the norm, it's considered actually abnormal, mm-hmm. toxic, taboo, that people just come for you on the strength of 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 you being Muslim and going, okay, I was raised in America. However, American culture is not my culture. Mm-hmm. And they have an issue with that. Some people come on our page and they'll see, and I always say this, the optics of seeing Coach Nadir sitting in between two women. They don't like that before we even speak one word. Mm-hmm. So they've already mm-hmm. met us with judgment. Mm-hmm. So before they even hear the story, in order to condemn it as a result, <laughs> they they they've already condemned us based off of a photo. So, mm-hmm. and they don't ask us, is this what we wanted to do? No, they tell us the that assumption. we don't. They tell us they tell we us don't want it. <laughs> They're like, no, you don't. Like, Wait well, a minute, well, I'm wrong. Well, well, this you is know? the funny thing. Cause like, if somebody is going to be fighting with me over making dinner, like, I don't know about that. That might be something like worth pursuing <laughs> just from that alone. Um, but, you know, I, here's my spoon. Here's my kitchen. Yeah, please See ya. Help, me, help me with right. that. But but this is a, the thing, you know, because I, I, right. I, I'm going to. The thing the, the thing that I don't get is they don't see the consent of the three adults in it, because I have every opportunity to say goodbye to exactly. this man. And so mm-hmm. does Coach Nyla. Mm-hmm. And so does he. Exactly. And I'm going, OK, yeah. you see, see three consenting adults to be in political because I could have left mm-hmm. like you know if you want to do that cool great bye I'm out but people don't see the fact that we're adults of a certain age mm-hmm. <laughs> clearly mm-hmm. with our 20 something year old children <laughs> you know grand cookies yeah and my grand right. cookie right. okay and and they still want to say yeah but you guys got low self-esteem yeah but you you have mm-hmm. low self-worth and He's controlling you all and mm-hmm. you're just there to make money and, and, you know, spread wealth and help him, you know, help him take care of you all. Right. You know what I mean? What? We got to we got to earn our keep. You know, I'm just it's just ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous. Well, well, this is this is, you know, uh, we've gotten a lot of questions on our page, obviously, as you can imagine, because this was something that we um that we are bringing out into our communities. And so I'm, I'm going to be that person to ask those really tough questions because one, <laughs> I am curious as to how it's going to work. Um, and two, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel that it's a self-esteem thing. Like to your point, you guys have made this choice as consen- consenting um, adults um, within the framework of what the religion um, deems to be allowable. So I'm just going to say that and, and whether what I think about it, Osma thinks about it or the world thinks about it, we're just not going to get there because we're, we're going to talk about logistics. So the number one thing that people have been consistently asking us, and I started getting curious myself was how it's great that you three are consenting to live in this um, union but the children that are the result of the union are not consenting. They're just the result of the union. So my question to you is, how do your kids, to the extent that you can talk about it, how do they handle, you know, the situation? And two, is that something that they would even want to do moving forward? You want to take that one? Well, we can both do <laughs> We're going to take it, it yeah, together. We together. But it's really interesting, too. That It's so amazing. It's a great question, definitely, mm-hmm. because yeah. we, we've we gotten that question. Yes. We actually have a video. Um, it, actually, we have a few videos on the, on our um, YouTube channel. One mm-hmm. where our children, some of our children did speak on um, what that, what living in polygyny or what growing up in polygyny, right. what that looks like for them. And the interesting thing is, Coach Fatima and I, my co-wife and I, we were talking before and we, we thought about it. And it was like, you know what? They all have their own different experiences yes. and their own different, um, just their own different timelines of it. I have my, my, my oldest uh, bonus children who, what they saw, what they grew up for a while was their Umi and their Abu mm-hmm. with Coach Nadir and Coach Fatima. Right. That's what they seen. And then here comes me and two children of, you know, my own, a Brady bunch, you know? And so it was like, 
having to adjust that way. And then, yeah. and with my, with my children, I had a, a son and a daughter who have two different fathers, one from a previous ma- uh, relationship and one before Islam and one from a previous marriage. So when I, and then they come into, they come into a, a family or into this lifestyle where now it's like, not only is it a, a, a father figure and have another mother figure. Mm-hmm. So it's these different mm-hmm. dynamics that we thought about, like, wow, it is different, mm-hmm. but it's about having that conversation and allowing them to still speak their peace and still speak their truth. Now, the little ones who were born in it, it's like, they have a totally different, this is what it is. it's like, this is what <laughs> this it is. is. It. This is what mm-hmm. we know. And there's nothing weird about it to them. Yeah, and I think really uh, the the big deal and the big thing that I hope people take away is just really having those conversations and allowing yeah. your children to be yes. able to talk to you and come to you with the questions that they have. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to answer it, be honest that you don't know how to answer these questions. Right. My thing is my children went through a diff- a number of different dynamics um, being my children. Mm-hmm. So I had to be very responsible as a parent to say, and very, very intentional to say, how do I prepare my children for the transitions? How do I prepare my children for what this will look like? And to let them know that polygyny is an option. It's a moral form of marriage and it's an option. Just because we practice polygyny don't mean you have to practice polygyny. But my thing is you're going to see what monogamy looks like. You're going to see what polygyny looks like. You're going to see those things and you will be able to Mm -hmm. make that decision on your own. That's the same thing that people ask me about when I converted to Islam. And my son was, I think about two, almost three years old, if I'm not mistaken at the time, my eldest. And they said, well, what if he decides this? Are you going to make him be Muslim or whatever? I said, he's going to see a lot of things around him. And when he becomes caliph, when he becomes accountable for what he needs to do, he will make that decision. So that's the same thing when it comes to polygyny or anything in your life. You want to guide them as best way as you can, give them all the information, and they make the decisions when they're able to make the decision. Dr. Sadaf Lodi, an American-born certified OBGYN, is talking about everything sex-related, woman, mother, Muslim. She talks about the birds and the bees and everything in between. No shame, no judgment, and no topic is taboo. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. For those kids that were born into the situation where Mm -hmm. I have these two moms and a dad, what is kind of the age of awareness? Because I think it's about like four or five when they start (laughs) thinking of things like, you know, I'm not like for me, it was about four or five that my kids were like, what? I'm brown. I'm not white. You know? Mm -hmm. So is that kind of, is there an age when they finally realize like, Hey, not everybody has two moms that they could just go around the corner and hang out with. And like, you know, all these extra brothers and sisters, what, what is that? age and what does it look like? What do those questions sound like? Well, I think that the age of awareness depends on the child. So mm-hmm. I, I have a daughter that's 20 and then I have a daughter that's 27. Their ages of awareness is were, awareness were different. So the, the oldest, she was a little short, little dictator and she knew every little thing and she wasn't <laughs> afraid to ask the questions and she'd press and she'd keep going, going, going. And then the youngest daughter she would just hold it and then just bleh, and just give it all to you at once. And she's still, um, I love them all so much and very deeply. They still have their own personalities. But I do find that children are very resilient and very honest and they're very blunt. Mm-hmm. So I remember one time... Um, <laughs> this was this was the youngest daughter. See what I mean? And Coach Nyla knows. She had I was on the phone with a friend of mine and I didn't realize that their dad had left. I'm sure he gave salams, the whole works, but I'm on the phone with my friend. So I go deaf at times. 
And I said, well, where's Abu? You know? And she goes, oh, I think he went to his other wife's house. And my friend on the phone goes, girl, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we started laughing because I'm like, who I'm going to kill that kid? She was five. She was like five years old or something like that. Maybe older. I don't know. But it was... I couldn't make it up. I'm not that good, but it was hilarious. I can laugh at it now, but it was just like, why does she do this to me every day? Why does she have to be so honest? So she was aware at a young age, but it's just in different ways. I think the way they're aware is different, Mm -hmm. you know? So like Mm -hmm. our little four-year-old, he's not afraid to ask questions. He doesn't care how big you are, how small you are, (laughs) not unafraid. But then you could look at maybe one of the children that we love so much as well in the middle. And they're like, well, I'm just going to hold on to that for now. I'm six, but I'll just wait till I need it. It just depends on the child. You know, you have 40 year olds that aren't Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-aware or don't understand their surroundings or have no emotional um, uh, self-awareness. And you go, hello. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when we look for it in our children, it it might be more, um, what is it called? It, it sticks out more than you would maybe even an adult because children are willing to say, okay, what's going on? I know my kids were. Yeah. They were like, okay, what's happening? Because I think the girls are very teenagery when they're married again and still waters run deep. So you might not say so much, but you're thinking a lot of things. And I think one of the best things that their dad did was speak to them alone without me there. Okay. Because we all know that if mom's there, I might give a different answer so that I can protect her feelings. And I like that he said, okay, I'm going to talk to them alone. And I'm like, okay, cool. I don't want to be there, <laughs> you know, because I think that that type of intimacy between father and daughter it helps them heal. It helps them psychologically. And they can ask the questions that they want to ask without interference. So it just mm-hmm. depends on the, the, I think, in my opinion, on the child. And the interesting yeah. thing is, too, that even going through that and the beginning stages, we still have daughters, uh, the sons, of course, as yeah. well, too, that <laughs> are saying that I will... I will want to practice polygyny. Yes. Um, so, you know, yes. the, you know what? Three of the five three girls. Three of the five girls. Two are know, married two already. Two are married already. Right. And so the other three are like, yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up. I'll, I'll yeah. willing to practice polygyny. Yes. And yes. they weren't born into it. You know, they pretty much grew up into it. Interesting. They weren't yeah. born into they it. They weren't born into it, but they understand the value of having time to themselves mm-hmm. and not having a toxic attachment mm-hmm. style. You know, where we're just so into our husbands and our whole world revolves around our husbands and everything that they do. And then you start to kind of creep into this form of worshiping the Mm -hmm. husband. It might be completely innocent and unintentional, but it's very dangerous to get so close to any human being that they they just distract you from everything else. So, you know, I love that they're like, look, I I can't have a man in my house all the time. I love him, but he just can't live with me all all the time. That's not going to work. Sadly, you're married for like probably a decade before you realize that in a monogamous relationship. Like I can do him not being here all the time in my face. I'm like, okay, I can do my day. This is that we've been married. I can get so much more done. Cool. Let me go to Chicago, you know, with my girlfriend and have coffee, you know? So yeah, you, you never know. You never know what Allah is. He's placing you somewhere that is challenging, but you don't know what you're going to need on the other side of it. You don't know who you're going to be. Cause I sure didn't think I'd be sitting here talking about polygyny with a co-wife on a podcast. <laughs> right. and, and that's, that's, that's my segue um, question because that's something that I'm feeling from you. Um, coach Fatima is that you, it wasn't necessarily something that you were thrilled about. Um, and it seems no. like you have, yeah. Ex- and, and that's what I want to talk about today because it, it's clear that you were not thrilled um, at mm. the onset of the conversation. Um, but that yeah. now that you're sitting next to your co-wife, um, Ny- Nyla, h- how does one go from there? That I'm not clear. I don't want to be in the same room talking about it. I get, I get it. But now we're working collaboratively together. And now I see the benefits of that. How did that transition happen for you? 
slowly, <laughs> very slowly. <laughs> well, what 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 you discover is that you don't need someone as much as you think you do. So I didn't need to have the the marriage be where it was placed. So if it's on this pedestal, this pedestal that you don't even know you're creating as a 20-year-old new wife, new to Islam, new to marriage, new to motherhood, all in the same span of uh, a year and a half. So I had a lot of new. And two weeks mm-hmm. after Coach Nadir and I got married, my grandfather who raised me passed away of a massive heart attack. So I didn't really have time to enjoy the 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 marriage initially. So that was very devastating to the entire family, to the entire family was thrown upside down because that was the first major death. And I had just accepted Islam. I had just gotten married. He did not agree with Islam. He did not agree with the lifestyle of just being Muslim, period, me covering my head. He just did not like it. So before we could even talk about it, he died. So it, it, I didn't have time to like really enjoy the first couple months of being married because of the trauma. So I said, okay, once I get to enjoy this, then I'll just embrace it wholeheartedly. But it was to my detriment in that my world was my husband, my daughter <laughs> for two years until I had another daughter. And then it was just the four of us. And so you just kind of protect that circle because you trust that circle to not judge you for being Muslim or talk behind your back for being Muslim. That circle um, protected me. I protected that circle back. So when that when polygyny came, it was like, wait a minute, this is starting to look like a triangle, not mm-hmm. the circle. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but uh, what I did was, and I would, I wish I could just really stress this, is embracing the color of Allah matters. It matters. Because you can't fight against him. He's always going to win. So it didn't matter what I had up here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always knew that this was going to happen. It was written. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing to speed it up. There's nothing to slow it down. So embracing the fact that he's running this, not me, matters. And uh, to submit to the will of Allah that is what liberated me in polygyny and understanding that this is a test customizable for all three of us. And it's happening to us and our children, not just me as an initial wife, not just Coach Nile as a subsequent wife. It, it's happening simultaneously in different ways. So, yeah, embracing what is, has been written for me from way before I was ever thought of mattered mm-hmm. to the success of what you see now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Zeba follow up on that part uh, that you just shared with everybody, because I feel like that's kind of the, the point of view that a lot of men try to bring mm-hmm. to women who are more hesitant to jump on board the Qadr Allah argument, the it's the right of the man argument, um, which, you know, I mean, I feel like you're legitimizing in a perfectly wonderful way. And I love that as a woman, you're saying that I'm not having to hear it from a man, but I'm really interested in the, you talked earlier about how both of y'all, I mean, every mom works. I don't care what she says. They all work. We're all working double full-time jobs over time, all of that 24 seven. Some of us are also working outside of the home. Great, good, and fine, but y'all have businesses. So I want to talk about financial power. And I've been, you know, during doing the research for this series, I fell into, you know, because I I was like searching for Muslim polygamy in America, Muslim American polygamy, and I fell into black poly circles. And it was, you know, black Americans who are practicing polygamy, some of whom happen to be Muslim. Um, and one of the arguments that I never thought about, or one of the things that they, they talk a lot about is the financial power that comes, um, with polygamy. And I just thought maybe you could share some of that information if you're aware of it, or if you ascribe to that philosophy as well. Um, the wealth building via numbers, because, you know, 
white people, mainstream America, they have generational wealth. They have all of these ways to evade taxes that we don't know about, um, at least my family being an immigrant family. And then we know with institutionalized racism, how hard it is for generational wealth to be built in uh, black communities. So can you speak to that and whether it, it applies to your family or not? And if that's too personal, you don't have to go there uh, to your own family. But, you know, just talking about that financial power, I think, is really important because a lot I know a lot of immigrant families don't think of it. Yeah, that's a great question. The interesting thing is, is that it applies in a different way than we've seen it. Um, people, um, We've seen it where people made it... It's kind of like, okay, I work, she work, she work, and we bring it all together. And that's how it is. That's that's not how we operate. (laughs) You know, the thing is, we really do operate that on on the lines of that the husband is the leader, he's the man, you you are the protector, the provider, the maintainer, and these things like that. However, we believe that it's very important that women know how to make money. Mm-hmm. And they know how to invest. They know how to yeah, do these things um, because regardless of him being the protector, maintainer, provider, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so those type of things is very, very important. But the way we talk about it um, and we train and teach on um, building the wealth is what, what's the thing we say? We, we didn't have to go hiring a lot of other people. We just actually, we, mm-hmm. we birthed them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have your own army of people. You have a workforce. <laughs> we created the board members. Yes, yes. you did. Yes. <laughs> but it's learning these things and it's mm-hmm. teaching them how to invest, how to not work for someone else, but work for yourself or how to create businesses or create jobs, how to be that type of person in society and what that looks like. So when we learn it and we practice it and Mm -hmm. we teach our children to do the same, that's where the empire comes from. That's where it gets built. It's not just a, you go work here, you go work here. And then we create the, you know, we just do a lot of financial education. And then we teach our children that that's the thing when it, when it comes to what that generational wealth look like for the, like the Rothschilds and other people or whatever type of thing, besides taking it from other people, I'll just leave that alone Mm -hmm. from a different, (laughs) different podcast, but (laughs) you can talk about that on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but the thing is they still taught their children and their children's children, how to, um, how to the, the laws of money, um, the different types Mm -hmm. of, the different types of um, loopholes and, you know, these type of things like that. The thing is, we just have to learn it, practice it, mm-hmm. and teach it. Learn it, practice, teach it. Learn it, practice, teach it. You don't have to marry multiple women in order for that to be a thing that you can acquire. You can right. do that and you can continue to build it. The key thing is to have multiple streams of income, but you don't have to marry into multiple streams of income, you can create that on your own with a number of different things. Mm-hmm. We can go into a number of our different mentors and everything like that. One person, Grant Cardone, he doesn't have multiple wives, but he has multiple streams of income right, <laughs> and, you know, and different types of real estate and things like that. It's kind mm-hmm. of learning from the people who do it. Right. And you practice it because if they can do it, of course you can do it too. Yeah, and it, then you can yeah. teach other people to do the same. And our thing is, like I said, the generational wealth with us is just teaching our children the same things that we we learned um, and that mm-hmm. we learned. But we didn't learn this from our parents and our parents' parents. They didn't know those they things. They didn't have the tools. They didn't have to. And then the mm-hmm. thing is, we're very honest with our family. Our family is black mm-hmm. and nobody's handed us, nor have they ever handed mm-hmm. us anything. So one of the things that I tell uh, our daughters specifically is they don't have a choice. They have to invest in them, black Muslim woman. And they'll go, nope, you can't. You can't have that. You know why? Because it wasn't set up for you to have it. So then we teach them how to be the bank. We teach them how to be the bank, the bag, the Brinks truck, all of it. Mm -hmm. Because they need to, because what if they get in a space where, uh, you know, Muslim, we're always very, Conscious of Allah, God conscious. So we think about death a lot, all day long, mm-hmm. all day long. 
we think about we have to pray. We have to make sure we, we're working toward the acronym, not just in this life. Mm-hmm. So then that makes us think about if we do get married, what if something happens to our husband? Mm-hmm. Then what do we do? Mm-hmm. Where's the money? Where's the stuff? Where We have the tools because Coach Nyla and I have enough tools to keep OPR going. Mm-hmm. Inshallah, if we have to, because we've invested in ourselves individually, mm-hmm. in our individual marriages, and in this family. Mm-hmm. So it's only, what do they say, rinse and repeat for our daughters, exactly. for our sons, because this is important. We have to have a plan A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And it's not just sitting in the house, although it's honorable work. But if you can turn in you know, something you really love and you're passionate about, and you can make some income off of that for yourself, then we would stress that you do that. That you do that as a, as a woman, especially in Islam, even if you just want to say, okay, I want to help a little. I don't have to, mm-hmm. but I'd like to help. And your husband can say, no, I'm doing this without you. But, you know, you would want to have something. You know, it's so, it's so hard. My father was an educator with a master's degree, and we had to pull money together to help bury him. Mm-hmm. Because there was nothing left. He spent what he had while he was alive. He didn't think about what happened to the people once he died. I was already married, so I was good, but he had an unmarried daughter. My sister, she didn't have anything. His wife wasn't left anything. It was chaos. So we just don't want our daughters to have to Mm -hmm. go through this. That's smart. I appreciate that. Thanks for clarifying. I I, I definitely appreciate that because I think regardless of what communities um, that we are in, um, making sure our females are taken care of um, is is the number one thing. And it should be just as relevant in our communities as um, and for them to be self-sustainable, whatever it is. And, you know, I talk a lot um, when I deal with my corporate clients that um, alignment comes when you can find passion and work at the same time, then all of a sudden, yeah. it's not work every day. So I mm-hmm. love that that it seems like yeah. that that's the, that you're, um, you guys are, are teaching that to other people. And, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, because I, I again, want to ask another question, because I, I find this whole topic um, fascinating. And, and, it, and it's, it was something <laughs> that from the very beginning, I really um, wanted to highlight here on the podcast, be- just because of my own misgivings, one, my own misunderstandings, two, and my own prejudices, to be very frank and honest with you about that. Um, and and um, so I, I, in saying that, I want to clarify that I'm coming from a place of, of respect in trying to understand um, sure. an alternate lifestyle that, than what I was um, born into. So I heard two different things from both of you guys, which I found, and I actually wrote them down because I thought they were fascinating, um, but in the same line. So um, with you, Coach Fatima, you had mentioned um, that for you, polygamy brought a sense of respectability to mm-hmm. um being another woman, potentially by giving them the title of wife, right? Because to your point, mm-hmm. there are people doing this and, the, and, and women are not being protected. They're not given the respect mm-hmm. that they need because quite frankly, they're just another woman. Yeah. And then the other um, question along that same line for you, um, Coach Nyla, was that being um, a daughter of a daughter of a single mother you just finding a family or nuclear, you said it a couple of times, like a nuclear family unit was something that you um, resonated with. Could those be some of the, the reasons why you guys ultimately chose polygamy? Um, and, and that was just something I, I was uh, curious about coming from two different um, backgrounds, um, but having a little bit of that intergenerational trauma that we inevitably bring forward. Was this the answer for you guys and helping to heal that. The interesting thing is I didn't want to be married. Yeah. <laughs> so in like, general, you're like, I don't even need that. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like before, but I think um, just going into it, one of my, my, my major things, um, cause I, I've gotten that question. So it's a really mm-hmm. good question. And, it, and it's a common one where it's like, you know, well, maybe it's the other stuff that you went through, but I was like, 
actually with the stuff that I went through, if people knew exactly like all the different, it's just way too much to even, <laughs> because people think that everything is just so great with me. And I'm just like, oh, I was like, I just focus on the positive. I said, I would not have even wanted to be involved in a relationship or whatever with marriage, a man, anything. I remember at the age of 14, I asked my mother, I said, can, cause I wanted kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I love children. I'm the oldest of nine. And so I, so I asked my mother at 14, I was like, well, can I have kids and kick the guy to the curb? <laughs> like I literally asked her that. And she was like, I guess you could, but why would you want to do that? I'm like, they're true. They're drama. I don't know. But, <laughs> but that's what my 14 year old logic saw because that's what I seen. I was like, okay, mm. this is, I don't want that. I can do bad by myself. You know, so, <laughs> you know, just looking at that, it just things have changed. It changed when I was, I saw that there were actually you can you can create, you know, and you yeah. can build and grow and have a wonderful marriage. But it actually depends on choosing the right mate mm-hmm. um, and being you know, emotionally intelligent, working on you more than you work on anything else, you know, those different things. So I was like, there's a system to this. It's a science to this. And I'm like, if I can do that, then that's fine. But polygyny, on the other hand, it was, as I stated before, the person who happened, who checked the boxes of the leader, the provider, the maintainer, the happened to be married, the family that was just like, this is, they're beautiful too. So I'm like, yeah, you know, when, you know, type of thing. And so, and it was like, I'm not full time. I mean, we, we say this a lot. My co-wife and I, we say we're his wife's 100 percent of the time and he's our husband 100 percent of the time. Yep. But he's not with us 100 percent of the time. And that's fine. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people don't understand that sometimes the, the choice of polygyny is not about any trauma. It's just like, I just want my time. I want the companionship and I want the protection. I want the other stuff mm-hmm. in a halal way. Yeah. I just don't want it every single day mm. all my life or whatever the case may be. Or some say that, oh, I have this career going and I don't want to stop my career. And so polygyny works for me. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of different reasons why. And I believe that my idea of it being coming into polygyny was nothing about trauma, but as an opportunity, you know, and the opportunity of growing with, you know, having a bigger family. Uh, for one, I saw that my, like my co-wife said, she had daughters first. I have one daughter, I have one daughter, four boys. <laughs> so my honey was, I was like, my daughter will have sisters. Cause <laughs> da, 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 da. So it was a lot, it was a whole bigger picture then and I was like, and uh, I was like, I'll have this friend and this co-wife, my circle of very small. Um, so it was these different things where I saw these mm-hmm. benefits to polygyny, nothing dealing with trauma. It was like, I'm an introvert. My family is my nucleus. My family is my circle. And yeah. this is going to be somewhere where I can grow. And the leader of this, this family is doing the things that I see that a, a husband mm-hmm. should do. He has these qualities that a husband should have. And that's just, you know, that's, I mean, my take on it. That's what happened with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, like I said, yeah. I got married when I was 20. I met Coach Nadir when I was 14 and I was not interested in sharing a husband, <laughs> but I had to learn something and I'll share this. What I, And I've said this before, I've trained on it. And sometimes people don't like that I say it. I don't wait for them to like it to say it. What Coach Nadir wanted made me who I needed to become. So I had to kind of go through uh, this transformation in and of myself, because when you meet somebody and you're that young and you've bonded with them in a specific way, then you don't understand when you're that young that people are going to evolve. So will you and you'll change and your wants, your needs, your desires will change as well. So I had to learn that and I'm glad I did because then I think that I, I think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a way of creating distance between us and those that we love so that when he takes them back, then then there's a, a safe amount, I call it a pull, but a safe amount of distance between us 
so that we're not so wrapped in them that we can't let them go. Even though they've passed away or whatever the case may be, I think it's healthy to not become so close to someone because we will see, um, we'll see. I remember a friend of mine, her mother passed away and they were, they were um, Desi and I, I, they're Indian. And she said, Fatima, my mother is so distraught on, about losing her mother that she would lay her mother's dress on the bed and lay on the dress and cry because she was that distraught. And she said, Omi, you can't do this. You can't, you can't do this. It's going too far. It's like, you're worshiping grandma. You're worshiping your mother. She said, I know, but I can't help it. That's how close they were. She said, I can't let her go. So she took the dress and laid on top of it and boohooed and cried like it was her mother's body. So I understood, and this was years and years and years ago. And I understood then I said, see this kind of closeness is not healthy for us. So to have a pull or a certain amount of healthy distance between us and each person we love, even if it is our baby, even if it is our child, we have to know that there will be a separation, a, a separation from them. And that relationship will be over once somebody passes away. It's, it's just very powerful not to get too close. So polygyny for me created this space. I said, Allah put this space in between us so that we could grow without distracting one another so that we can just, we can go, okay, I need to be thinking about Allah and the color of Allah and the Akira, not what's going on in this world so much within this specific marriage, you know? So it gave us room to grow. Uh, Coach Nadir and I, uh, very young married people. We just had to, we just had to. So alhamdulillah, I'm very grateful for polygyny because it, it offered me something that's not in just this life, it's more than that. It's beyond this. The, this life will be over. So I need to be working on my acro. Yeah, alhamdulillah. And it, I like how you're pointing out it's not about, you know, because at least the way we saw it for our moms growing up, like that immigrant female mentality of how do I keep him happy? I have to keep him happy because if I don't keep him happy, he's going to go looking elsewhere, <laughs> you know. And I always heard things like that, you know, from, um, you know, women very close to me. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's just, it's so funny because as an adult, I saw, I was like, but that is kind of idolatry. Yeah, you know, that is. is a, that's the, the only unforgivable <laughs> sin. So like, how can you do that? Um, and I always strove to not do it, but I found myself falling into the same patterns yeah. of trying to please him, trying to please him, trying to please him. And Alhamdulillah, like you early on in my marriage realized that's never going to happen. And that's not necessary because, you know, there we're each individual people and we're each responsible to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's great that we come together and we live these parallel, like we intersect where we need to, That's it. but otherwise we're on our own individual paths to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right. And if you can realize that in monogamy, it's awesome, but you know, I think it can be done and probably done a lot more easily in polygyny, but we're not going to talk about that because I did it last episode and I got in a lot of trouble. So (laughs) I'll keep everybody happy. But I wanted to, since we're talking about it, um, early on in your polygynous relationship and when you established this relationship, um, I want to know where you went to kind of get counseling or get support, if there were other people around you who did it. And um, hopefully that will segue into OPR and what OPR does. <laughs> Girl, you know, we go to you for support. No nobody for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's like, nobody. <laughs> there was no support. There was no support, sister. There was, there was we can both tell you that there was nobody. You at least had like a circle of uh, sisters. And they were still like, I don't get it, but maybe he's (laughs) not Darth Vader just yet, Fatima. And I'm like, I don't know. I think he is, you know. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, my my group of little sisters, but yeah. Um, No, nothing. I mean, not as far as for Mm. polygyny and Mm -hmm. what, you know, Here's the thing with me when I when I was studying Islam, um, when people knew whether they weren't Muslim, but they knew that I was studying Islam, 
the first thing that they will say, or um, first thing mainly will come out their mouth like, you know, the husbands can have more than one wife. So they didn't know anything else about Islam, but they knew that. And we don't eat pork. <laughs> yes. People knew that? Wow. People still don't know that yeah. about us. My goodness. <laughs> so it's those two things. And I'm like, that's, yeah, well. But then the the polygyny thing intrigued me because I was like, well, how does that even work? So mm-hmm. there was a book about polygamy in Islam that I read. And I was like, oh, Okay. That makes sense because in my mind, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, if, if you know, I, I'm a big nerd, so numbers, mm-hmm. I'll say, oh well, if um, the the girls outlive the boys and the this and that, the da, you know, all these different things, I'm like, or you have, you know, what I've seen growing up, you know, no good, you know, people that didn't take care of their, you know, children and all these different things. Where I'm like, huh, well, that actually makes some sense. Mm-hmm. Mind you, that's not the first marriage that I didn't go into polygyny. Um, I was in monogamy. I was married in monogamy. It didn't work. Got a divorce and was a single mother for a minute before, you know, getting married again into <laughs> polygyny. So, um, but it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, is that even when people ask now, they'll say, well, how would you feel? Or, oh, Coach Nyla, you just don't understand because a, you just don't know. Such a dumb question. Um, and I said, you know, the interesting thing is jealousy is jealousy. So, you know, I'm not going to say that yeah. there's no such thing as jealousy in it. I'm not going to say there's no such jealousy We're between people. us because I have my jealousies and I had my jealousies before um, just because. Um, they had this history. Um, they've been together longer. There's nothing, no matter, I don't care when I came into the, the, the equation, when my timeline came, my timeline, if I focused on it, my timeline will always be after. I, I, so my thing is I don't need another person to come along. To make me feel jealous. It won't make you first. Right. I was like, it wouldn't matter. So my thing is, is that I just know that it makes sense. And if I want for my sister what I want for myself, mm-hmm. which is love and care Definitely. and and protection. And I mean, I know how crazy this world is. I, I know the statistics when it comes to people being abused and this different. Yep. Who am I to say it's not her right to have a good husband, even if that good husband is the person that's married to me? You know, I, who am I to say that? So it's those true. type of things where it's like. And I already told people, they, they, they was like, well, didn't you fear? I didn't fear polygyny for what he, I didn't think he'd do. I feared it because I knew he could do it because he had been consistent for decades with me. So why would he stop being consistent in one of the most important parts of his life? Now, why would that, you know, and that doesn't mean that he wasn't allowed to have a learning curve and figure mm-hmm. some things out and make mistakes and turn his losses into lessons and those things like that. That didn't mean he was going to be perfect. It just mean he was going to be intentional about doing the right thing and doing it the best way that he knew how with the tools that he had. And we had a very unsupportive community because mm-hmm. people were like, well, you know, you can do it, but, and I'm like, not you can do it, but that's why this is so hard because you people mm-hmm. won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You people won't officiate it. You people won't do what you're supposed to do behind the sunnah of the Rasulullah mm-hmm. and you like to sweep stuff up under the rug. That's why polygyny is so hard because you all want to run from it mm-hmm. instead of running toward it. And we sit down and we talk about it and we figure it out as a community and quit shunning each other for something that is the sunnah. So to me, don't, you know, don't pick and choose and cherry pick what you want and what you don't want. Islam is complete and it doesn't require us. We require it. And we better make sure we don't get that messed up ever. Yeah, we have to learn so many different things. I mean, and we've learned. You still are. Yeah, we're still learning. And it came from different things like personal development, self-care. Um, uh, communication, relationships, yes, those type of things. And then we put that together. When we got it together, yeah. we put it together and created what we have with OPR because people mm. asked us, people were like, okay, well, we know 
somewhat of the story or yeah. we're having issues here or my husband is looking to practice polygyny or he's talking about it. So right. it's like, you know what, do we keep, you know, what we've been doing to ourselves or do we really help people? Because we know we needed it. And um, we were obligated yeah. to. And people don't understand that we made a decision because we knew if we have this information as Muslims and we're just sitting here on it, we mm-hmm. can be helping other people make this less painful and maybe they could heal faster. This is not a get get a you know a successful marriage quick scheme. Right. You have to work. You have to work. So people say, how did you become close? Well, what are you going to give up in order to become close, in mm-hmm. order to have a successful marriage? Mm-hmm. So once we had the information, like Coach Nyla was saying, we have an obligation to, to share, share it. it. So it's like being an unintentional hero, <laughs> but we know there's a need. There, there are really people in marriages and children because of the the adults can't get their stuff together. The children are suffering because of it. But we're just going to sit here in our houses and do, we're just not going to tell anybody. That's not that's not part of Islam. We're supposed to yeah. give the sincere advice from one Muslim to the next. Indeed, inshallah. And that's what I love about OPR, which is y'all's coaching business, outstanding personal relationships. Because I, as a monogamous person, feel like I can learn so much about my own marriage, Mm -hmm. my mothering, Mm -hmm. my friendships with women. Like, I feel like it helps everybody. You don't have to be in a polygynous relationship to get good lessons, good nasiha, good advice from your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really happy to share that with all of our audience. And, you know, like we're telling the trolls on the internet, (laughs) we're not trying to convert you into polygyny. We're not trying to convert you into Islam. We don't need you. God don't need you. You know, it's like, if you want to learn from other people who are having different experiences than you, because you are adult enough to not let your mind explode and disintegrate because it's something different, then please welcome, come learn. And if you don't want it, it's not for you. That's fine. But you know, when you are leaving with this big flag saying, I'm leaving. Goodbye behind me. Don't let the door hit you in the bottom, right. you know, because you don't have to announce to us that you're leaving. Like we don't really care. We're here to support all of our mom sisters living yes. the lives that they choose to lead yes. for their children, for their family units and whatever works for it. And we applaud you, the introverts and the extroverts doing it for all of your beautiful kids. Mashallah. All you have a dirty dozen. Mashallah. I love it. That's like amazing. So, I just love everything that you guys are sharing. And I wish, I wish, I wish that people could see that it can't, polygyny can exist in this way Mm -hmm. in an adult halal manner. If people are willing to put in that emotional work and that, I think that religious work that's required because there, there's a lot of mental work that comes with practicing Islam Mm -hmm. in the way of the Quran and Sunnah, the way it was intended to be practiced. Mm -hmm. And if we could all just do that, I think society would be so, so much better. So Jazakallah for coming on and sharing your story and your sincere Nasiha. Like, I think that you guys advise us from your hearts. I really hear that. I feel that. And I hope that our audience will be able to experience it from your YouTube channel as well. Or you can join our private community. Troll free. Troll free because we're not having it (laughs) at OPRcommunity.com for details. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's awesome. And if you still can't find them, just ask me because, you know, I stalk everybody (laughs) and I will find them for you. (laughs) That's how I found them in the first place. So Jazakallah khair, ladies. We so appreciate you coming on. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy Wall Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.